Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Goal Line Podcast, where we focus on making you better leaders on and off the field. Today's special guest is Tom Ovenden. So Tom is the current Hotspurs, which is a local club in Pittsburgh, Academy Director, College Prep Phase Coach, and the Women's First Team Coach at the semi-professional level. So Tom, I appreciate you coming on. Looking forward to hearing everything you have to say about coaching. Thanks. Thanks, Jesse. Great to be here. Awesome. Awesome, Tom. So um, what I want to ask you and what I like to ask a lot of coaches is how they got their start in coaching. So for some, you know, they they kind of just fell into it after graduating. You know, maybe they had a volunteer assistant or a graduate assistant coaching position. But you have a little bit of, uh, of a different background than from what I've been talking to. So, you know, how did you get your start in, in coaching? Um, okay, so I did my first coaching license when I was 17. Um, that was my level, FA level two. Um, and I did that, like, kind of coincided with, um, you know, playing at Yeovil back in back in Southwest England. Um, and it was just a couple of the guys were doing it. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, do, I'll kind of do it. And then uh, the guy that was running the course needed um, coaches for some summer programs he was doing. And I just... I, I got real. I got into it then, and I, to be honest with you, I I just wasn't very good at it at the, at the start, and it it didn't really like, you know, float my boat so to speak. And I was really into the playing, and that was my real, you know, drive, like you know, uh, playing. But then uh, I got that done and got the FA level two done, and then um, if, when I uh, eventually got released from Yeovil and went to the university route. Um, uh, I should probably say root because that's more English. <laughs> uh, and so I, I then got a chance to come and do like American soccer camps while I was at university in Liverpool. And um, then I, I got a, a little bit into coaching, you know, more then. But I, I just never really um, like, like clicked with it. Um, until I started doing teams and started getting into the team stuff um, when I eventually moved over here like full time and then I you know, I really started to really get into it and and I really feel my experiences my playing experiences which were kind of ended um, you know abruptly with a bad knee injury has really helped me um, become a better coach to be honest um, so that was kind of like my my journey to becoming a coach, you know, in a nutshell, really. Yeah. And so, you know, when you came over to the States and started working with the teams, what, what were some of the challenges that you faced in the beginning when trying to figure out, you know, what worked for you as a coach and maybe what didn't work? Um, I think, I think the challenge is certainly in Pittsburgh is having like constant mentoring. Um, you know, I definitely could have sped up my development as a coach for sure if I had like a bit more of a a mentor you know here on a day-to-day basis um and that's been a a big you know kind of motivation piece for what I've been doing with Hotspurs and trying to create a system where um we promote coaches and 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 develop coaches you know from within um you know to to improve because you know, it took me, you know, just trial and error really to, um, uh, to, to, to become a better coach and, and understand, you know, what I was doing. I was doing, you know, coaching courses and stuff like that. But I think on a day to day basis, if you can have people 
you know giving you feedback on session plans and and developing that like that was that that would have helped a lot and I think those were the um those were the biggest you know challenges I didn't really realize it at the time I was just getting on with it but you know I think in hindsight you know could have certainly um you know been had you know sped up my development as a as a coach with with a, a bit of a better mentor but you know those are the challenges here somewhere like Pittsburgh there's not a huge amount of high level experienced mm-hmm. coaches here and you know hopefully we can change that over the next few years yeah no I mean I'm, I'm love that you touch on the mentor side and I think that's so important I know for me you know I'm always talking to different coaches throwing ideas back then would this work would that work what do you guys think of this and you know it I think it does play a very important role just having being able to have somebody you know around you that you can you can get information from whether it's good or bad and you know they can give you nice and honest feedback so I want to touch on how you develop coaches and you know what are some of the ways that and 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 what you know even before that what are when you're bringing on a new coach what is something that you're always looking for yeah okay so yeah like I think one of the biggest realizations for me with football was that that like you hear it a lot people go oh you're playing the correct way um and it took me a long long time to kind of unpiece you know uh unpack that and I, I think um at the beginning you believe that there's this correct way to play and that is this possession game or whatever it is that you kind of lean to wherever your your style and your experiences that you've uh kind of grown up with and 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 been uh developed under um you know like like for example like when you see parent coaches at the community level here their go-to when they get given this job as coach is always to go back to their own experiences and then they replicate those experiences because that's all that they've got to uh, kind of like put their sessions together, which is why you see at the community level uh, line drills and dr- like effectively sessions that mimic baseball practices right. and American football practices. Um, so once I started to, you know, be able to like from coaching courses and understanding that there isn't a correct way to play the game um there is loads of different ways and all of them are super um successful it's just you've got to choose your version um you know kind of your version of the game um so once you can understand that then you can really bring coaches in based upon that and and at the beginning at the at the absolute beginning of everything when it comes down to putting together a game model and you know it, you need that philosophy and um and then that once you have that philosophy you can then unpack that to the types of coaches you need and you know if you were going to write a list of you know I was kind of doing this recently for our brochure like a hotspurs coach um, has a good sense of humor, is a good demonstrator. Um, and, you know, that that enables us to find um, the right kind of people. And then as long as we get the right kind of people, the X's and O's bit doesn't really matter. Um, right. That's the other bit that I've really, you know, um, like, you know, come down on. When you begin coaching, you think everything is X's and O's. And when you realize the X's and O's are just like a small fraction of it, really. Um, and it comes down to the personality and 
you know, are, are they a, the type of coach that's going to moan about everything or are they a coach that's going to help solve the problems and, and be part of um, making the programme better? That really enables you to bring in good people and then you can kind of teach them the X's and O's and and that piece about your game model and them understanding that, you know, it's okay if you don't agree with um, with this way, you know, you know you've got to find your own way but this is how we would like it to to kind of be done I don't know whether I was waffling a bit then but um I hope that kind of yeah, yeah no 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 I, I mean absolutely and you know I think the the coaches build that environment you know that that makes it enjoyable for the kids and and, and I agree with you about the x's and o's too is because I think you know what a lot of coaches have said too and you know what I've started to realize in the from my experiences is, you know, you could have the best strategy, the best formation, the best tactics, but if, you know, if you're not a coach that kids enjoy being around, they're not going to listen anyway. So it doesn't really matter. So I appreciate what you, you know, what yeah. you had to say about the coaches kind of building that environment. I'm, and so, and, and, oh, go ahead. No. Yeah. I, like, it's good that you said that, you know, the environment piece, like um, an analogy that always has stuck with me There's two analogies that have always stuck with me. And that effectively, like as coaches, we're gardeners. Um, and what I remember when I first heard that from um, a coach that mentored me when I was younger, um, Darren Laver, his name was. And, uh, you know, he always said, like, coaches, uh, coaches, we're gardeners. You know, we can't force the players or the plants to grow. All we can do is provide the conditions and then the, the growth will mm-hmm. happen. And that really, really, um, like, like, hit home with me about, about um that environment the other one was um you know positivity and when a kid's trying to take that first step as a zero year old and trying to make that first step when they fall over we never say to that kid oh you know maybe walking's not your thing maybe we'll we'll try a different skill um we're always positive with that kid and we're always encouraging them to try and walk and at the end of the day walking's one of the hardest skills that we will try to learn to do and um, we're we're constantly positive with it, and eventually it happens. And um, you know, I, I think that those two analogies have really stuck with me about the environment. Because again, like you know, that's absolutely spot on. Like it's critical to have uh, a place where the kids feel safe, they have fun, and then the learning can really um, come about. Absolutely, absolutely. So you might not have an uh, you know a direct answer for this question, but. You know, for a coach that you may have have had complaints about, maybe a couple of the kids or parents have said, you know, not bad things, but maybe have just complained in some way that he's not setting that that type of environment that you want. What are some ways that that you help a struggling coach kind of see what he or she is doing wrong in getting out of their their own way, in a sense? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just comes down to you know education and bringing that player that, that coach in. Um, to maybe uh, shadow a few of your, you know, your sessions and, 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 it, and it, but, you know, it, it, again, it comes down to, um, you know, to that personality. The other reflection on that might be that they're in the wrong, they're just in the wrong phase. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that we kind of market about our club is that we have a phase model where coaches coach within their phase. So they, they they stay within that 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 uh, two or three age groups, um, which has been designed, you know, just to maximise the best um, the 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 best characters, if you like, to, or characteristics 
towards that that specific age group and so you know if if a coach is a little bit too serious say um maybe they're with two younger kids maybe they need to be with older kids and it's just you know as a director of coaching and it's rare to find those coaches there was a couple of coaches like Tracy Blake who was a local coach around here you know he could coach you know elite top level coaches and he could also coach um you nine um you know fun in the sun kind of hilarious kids uh right. little kids and then you know blatsy mike blatz is down at century another one that can do a whole spectrum but you don't get many people like that so it's just identifying um you know the right players on uh, and their characteristics and putting them in the in the um in the right phase which suits their personality um you know that might be another way that we we might approach it with that coach Absolutely. And I, and I love that just being able to, to understand a coach's strengths and weaknesses, you know, especially for you as a director is, mm-hmm. is going to be crucial for, you know, putting, and again, talking about the environment, right? We need the, our coaches and our players to succeed. And if coaches are, if the coaches aren't in the right environment, let alone the players, you know, then they can't grow as coaches as well. Yeah. I and, mean, it, yeah. and it comes, it comes down to their personality at the end of the day, you know, it, and it's okay for them not to fit in, you know, it, everyone's not a fit for, for every style and every type of, um, you know, type of club. It's just, I just think more clubs around here need to challenge themselves to are recognizing that identity and what they believe in and not just putting, you know, square pegs and round holes for the sake of, um, you know, having the, you know, put a human with that, with that group of team. Right. Um, I, I really feel a lot of, you know, a lot of clubs around here, their model of development is how long can we keep this coach with this team without the parents getting unhappy? Mm-hmm. I think that, that probably sums up a lot of clubs around here, sadly. And, um, you know, it, it's about recognizing an identity as a club and what you're trying to do and get people that reflect that and that reflect those missions and, and goals. And we've done a fairly good job over the last few years of identifying what those things are that are important to us. And then bringing coaches in that kind of reflect those those principles, and and that's kind of really really um, um, helped us like develop as as a club, and we've grown, you know, exponentially. And you know, we're, obviously with the Arsenal partnership now, we're, we're certainly one of the one of the um, you know bigger and move like more progressive clubs in the in the in the city now, and it's taken us you know three or four years to do that. So we're, we're we're really doing well. So, uh, and, and it's come, it's come down to just identifying the, the, the roots and what is important to us and putting, putting, um, and then everything's kind of come into play after that. Absolutely. And so for those who don't know the, the Arsenal partnership that he's talking about is Arsenal is another local club team in the Pittsburgh area. And they formed a partnership to help develop players. And the Hotspurs also have, uh, an MPSL team, which again is the National Premier Soccer League, which is a semi-professional league uh, across the United States, a very competitive league, I must add as well. And so um, the Ar- Ar- Arsenal partnership is just going hand in hand with that. But, you know, Tom, I, I do want to go back a couple a couple steps and you talk about clubs finding identities and, mi- and their mission and principles. So what what are those principles and what is the Hotspurs identity as a club team? Um, yeah, so... That's a good question. So I recently just kind of ironed all this stuff out and, um, you know, created our Hotspurs ID, we're calling it. 
Um, so it's like it's basically a, a, an acronym where um, we've what I did was so we have phase leaders at all the different um, phases. And, um, you know, so U9 to U12 is the foundation phase, U13 to U15 is the youth development phase, and then U16 to U19 um, is the college prep phase. And now we've got the pro, the pro development phase um, working with Arsenal. So those are high performance players that we've identified that could have a, a potential role, uh, you know, playing at a higher level. And maybe delaying going to college, maybe going, you know, into semi-pro football somewhere in America before college or, or finding different route ways. So anyway, um, we'll talk about that in a bit. But then what I did was I asked the phase leaders, you know, what are the things that are important to you? Um, you know, and just list any, like any words down or phrases or anything that was important to them. And we kind of pieced all that stuff together. And tried to make our Hotspurs SC soccer club ID. And um, we came up with honesty, uh, open and transparent com- communication, teamwork, striving for excellence, positive and passionate about the game, understanding, uh, responsibility, safety. So that was Hotspurs, the Hotspurs bit. And then SC was sportsmanship, competing. Uh, and then ID was innovation and development first. So those were the um, the pieces that really stood out to us, and you know, that were that were really important, and that's really helped us from you know make any decision like moving forward, like any parent, you know, what would we do? And we come back to these principles, and those 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 were the the, the underlying principles that were that were identified by all the, the 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 phase leaders in the club, and you know, to build a culture and to build you know a fabric where everyone's on the same page. It can't just be my opinion. It can't just be my my ideas. It has to be um, everyone's you know ideas and everyone's kind of shared philosophy. If you're going to build a positive culture um, in a, in an organization, yeah. No, I mean I love that you guys took the time to come up with an ID and identity, and you know it'll help you again identify the right players. And I, th- I think a lot of clubs too don't have that and they just want to you know take kids and you know throw them on a team and create you know this team at at this area and just essentially for money making and you know for you guys to actually break down what you're looking for and you know what the coaches want to see i think it gives a clear picture too to the parents where you know now they can trust that they're sending their kids to the, the foundation phase all the way through that you know that prep phase to play at a very high level and you know being the the pittsburgh mpsl team it it's awesome to see kind of, you know, where you want your players from U9 to get when they're 19. So, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's an awesome development stage. It, it, it all came up, like, basically, like, Jesse, I am, like, the world's greatest soccer thief. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I've spent, you know, I'm 38 now, and all I've done is uh, go around and stolen as many good ideas right. as possible and put it under one roof. And and these ideas are you know they'll continue to be developed by you know by our staff and um, you know already with Arsenal I'm picking up some great ideas with from those guys and we'll continue to kind of develop that. But um, I I spent a bit of time working with the Southampton Academy um, with their their partnership program that they had and they you know they they mapped out this 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 same kind of um, this same uh, blueprint to what 
um, they were trying to do. And, um, you know, I just took little pieces from that and we just tried to like, you know, when you break again, like, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, when you break it all down, it all comes down to these principles. Everything starts from there and then you can build a game model. You can build staff. You can try and identify players that are, that kind of fit into your mold. And, um, you know, there's other clubs that, um, in, in Pittsburgh that just need to kind of understand what their own uh, philosophy and principles are. And, you know, if that is smashing the ball long and chasing after it and getting second balls, what's wrong with that? You know, but right. leaving it, don't tell other people it's something that it's different yeah. to that when in reality it it is a different um, a philosophy. You should be proud of, of that because, you know, Many trophies have been won playing counter-attacking football, long football with second balls, you know. Um, and, Absolutely. and it took me a long, long time to unpack that. And I, again, coming down to the mentorship, you know, that would have been a great piece. And it's usually the first thing that I begin with a new coach is you've got to work out, you know, like understand that there are different ways of playing. What is yours? Um, this is ours. And, and letting them buy into that. And then, then they can be okay with the things that they don't agree with because it's just a different opinion on the game. For sure, for sure. So I want to get into a little bit of the, the you know, high level, the MPSL side of things. And unfortunately, due to everything going on, this season was canceled. But last summer was was the first year of a, of a new program. So what went into starting, you know, a very high level competitive program at a, you know, just at a brand new or not brand new club, but, you know, at your club, what are more of the steps that went into creating a, a great environment for it? Um, so we're probably three years ahead of schedule. We had no, like, I, I never thought we would, um, you know, get a, a, a WPSL and MPSL franchise. Um but just it was always on the blueprint and in the game in the business model, but it it wasn't something that I felt that we were able to do until we had certain pieces um, kind of in place. But then the other thing with business is that it never goes a hundred percent to plan. So and sometimes you get opportunities and you have to kind of um, act on it. But you know, overall, we wanted to create a, a club, a full service club that has every level within it a lot of the clubs in pittsburgh right now don't want to do adult teams because there's no profit in it and um it it that's a kind of like saddening you know reality um there, i i really felt it was important because we want to use it to develop um to develop players if you look at athletic bilbao their whole club uh philosophy is that you can only play for athletic bilbao if you come from the basque region now they have you know a few little ways around that, but typically speaking, players will um, only come from the Basque region, and that's not even. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know per square mile, but it, it's got to be a, a similar size to Pennsylvania or even PA West, um, right? With the number of people that are you know become, but they've created a development model where they can stay, and they've never been rele uh, relegated from La Liga. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that, that was important to get those pieces in play. And when we got the opportunity to, to do it, we just had to kind of, you know, take that step at that point. And now, 
you know, with Arsenal involved, it's going to be easier. Uh, and then, you know, our our vision and our mission as a club, uh, I'll just read that out. So, is to have long-term player development at the forefront of everything that we do. To this end, our goal is to have 75% of our college prep phase players, which is U16 to U19 players, to have been with the club at some point in the foundation phase. Furthermore, we want 50% of Hotspur's grown players to make up our adult team programmes. So that the goal is to have 50% of that squad be homegrown Pittsburgh players from, from awesome. our, for our own academy. Um, and with the with the Arsenal relationship, we'll be very close to that this year. And um, you know, we've we've got some really good lads coming through now. And um, you know, we, we were quite a young club in the sense of you know, I'd say our 04 boys and girls were the first teams that we've kind of that had that Hotspurs kind of identity. Um, and we're starting to churn out some some better teams consistently now, which is which is cool. And that will help just improve that WPSL and MPSL environment. And then the goal is to move it away from this summer league that it is, right? Um, mm-hmm. MPSL clubs have always struggled in US Open Cup because they haven't got the college right. players. And I'm like, right. well, there's loads of ex-college players in Pittsburgh, um, you know, that want to stay healthy, that want to work out. Can we include those guys training in with our U16 to U19 players on a week-to-week basis throughout the year um, and 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 create uh, an environment that hasn't existed in Pittsburgh here ever? So right. you know, that's what we're super excited about. And the test of whether we're successful will be, you know, obviously um, how we get on, um, you know, the, the, the result. But then, you know, will other clubs follow suit and copy us? I hope so. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, too, you touched on a, a great piece about bringing the, the ex-professionals that are in the Pittsburgh area to to kind of essentially play a leadership role, I would assume. And so what I, what I want to ask is, I know in that first year you had Kiesel in goal, and Kiesel is a phenomenal person, great goalkeeper, yeah. former professional. And so what was the role that bringing someone like him played in with, you know, maybe, a, uh, you know, one of your homegrown players who was 18, 19, going into college or or just came back from his first year, you know, what is that role that you're looking for in that kind of veteran player, if you will? Yeah, I mean, like, here's the issue, right, in Pittsburgh right now. People get into, like, U15, U16 at their club, whether it's, you know, Beedlin Century and all those, um, you know, some of the, the better programs in, in the city. And then they're like, oh, I'm in the top team. I've done it. I've, I've achieved it. I'm there. And they just they just sit on their ass for three years until – they try and get recruited to go to college. Right. Um, and th- there's not that next, you know, driving force, that next motivation, you know? Um, and that's the piece that I, th- I don't think people truly understand is that you need that next level. And so when these lads, like last night, we had our first practice for, um, you know, the adult, the adult group together. And, you know, Nikki Collarat is smashing balls like like you, the hardest pass you've ever seen in your life and you know to our you know one of our 2004 players and right. he, he struggled to, to to control it but he got it under and but he it, you could just tell it was like oh my god um and that's the next level that's the next step and it's like right that's gonna move me on and you know once they're post puberty they can play against adults you know probably not right. the highest of the highest level but certainly 
you know, at the MPSL level, can we have under 15, uh, sorry, under 16 players playing and getting minutes? Probably not controlling games, but certainly getting minutes, absolutely. And is it going to make them better players? Yeah, it's definitely going to make them better players. Um, and I think I've always felt like soccer is that one outlier sport that sits outside of the NCAA and college traditional model because um, it doesn't really fit hand in glove with the with the college model because you know you could make your debut at a very high level at at 16 years old which is you know being you're being seen you're seeing that all over the world although it's less consistent now in the Premier League now for 16 17 year olds to make right. it there have been um you know certainly examples of it in league 2 league 1 championship level so um there's no reason why at our level here you know even at MPSL level that younger players couldn't make their debut and you know like Kiesel just having people like that in the environment just gives you a different professionalism and 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 it changes the mentality of these players that they haven't arrived that there is another level and what is that next level and there's always another level with the pyramid system and that's what I hope you know we'll see in the future of American soccer is this pyramid level yeah and in you know I think that you know just going back to what you know again the pyramid level and having this this professional team in your club just creates such a good opportunity i mean not good a great opportunity for these kids to really see what the next level is like i mean i can only imagine being being a 16 year old and playing with x you know usl guys for seven eight years and trying to control pass and you know they don't because that you know they see it on tv they see it at the games but they don't really realize that I don't think until they're you know in firsthand to to see it and you know I just think that's such a great opportunity and kind of like a, a rude awakening too to see what the next level is at and to see where they stand with you know some of the best talent that that has come through the yeah. Pittsburgh area so you know that that's so awesome yeah but, and it's taken a while to build that culture you know we couldn't like for example I when we started Hotspurs we couldn't have just if I had like unlimited money yeah, you, know, you couldn't just start a program like this, you know, because right. there'd be so many kickbacks from the parents and all of that kind of stuff, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, at the academy level, we have players that parents are paying money for it. So the transaction's a little bit different, but it's taken a while to understand that we're not doing, your kid not making this roster or um, not being invited to something is not, um, you know, a dig on them. It's, to motivate them it's to mm-hmm. um is to uh, make them understand there is a next level and ask them the question do you want it or not and are you going to put the effort in to try and make that roster the next time um so it's just taking time to kind of build this culture and build this idea so um we're, we're, we're getting closer and closer to it all the time so you know we're almost at the final layer of the cake in some perspectives where we can then continue to just polish all the all the different levels, um, you know, at moving forward. So I'm, I'm excited about what the future holds, really. Yeah, and, you know, it's just the the model that you guys have in place, I think is what, you know, every club team should really strive for, is just to to bring kids up and to understand that, you know, like you, t- like you mentioned, there's always, always another level to, to improve, to get better, to, you know, make a new team and, you know, it really just shows and, and it, it just bridges the gap too, I think, from, again, going back to what you're saying about, you know, these club teams, they get the kids, they go to the showcases, and then, you know, they 
they don't have any affiliation with the club team for the next couple of years or so, or handful yeah. of years, whatever, whatever it may be. But, you know, you guys are always finding a way to essentially keep the community together, mm. right? You know, the kids can go to college and boom, Hey, you're, you're a homegrown player. You're with us since you 10 come back and play for us, you know, in, you know, in our semi-professional league. And I think at least for me, that long-term development plan that you're talking about is, is always going to be the best way to, to truly develop players and, you know, you're not skipping any steps and you have your philosophy. And I just think, I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, like this area um, has not had a brilliant reputation, you know, in, in region one and, and us youth soccer and us soccer circles for developing players. But I've seen some of the quality that is available here and it's, there's some unbelievably good players and, um, you know, one of our and our principles like innovation. You know, we, we're constantly looking at new ways to um, develop programs. We're not going to take these European ideas and just dump them over here because it's not going to it's not going to work. We're going to try and Americanize these things, but you know, we're, we're trying to see the you know what the future holds. Is call it you know what role will college play in the next 10 or 15 years you know it is is changing all the time online school is happening um mm-hmm. you know, more and more players are graduating from college and want to continue to play in the game so i i just hope that there are you know that, that more and more leagues can can you know find their way and and we can you know get part of you know the a ladder of of developing um you know teams for uh, you know a really exciting u.s soccer model which i hope is around the corner but we'll, we'll see but um that that's the plan yeah yeah so when when you're training with these professional clubs you know they're you because again you want to get them to a new level so what what are some of the things that you're trying to make these you know young adults understand about playing at the next level and playing with these you know, with some of these ex-professional players, you know, what, what are you looking for to get out of these players, especially in a summer, like right now where we're just, you're just training with them, you know, what are you kind of using to motivate them? Um, yeah, I mean, so like, like making the roster. So, you know, with our pro dev phase next year, we're going to have a reserves and we're going to have a first team and the reserves is effectively going to be like a, a, an under 19 slash reserves team. Um, and I know that that term reserves is a new term for here. And I think <laughs> that's kind of probably quite old, an older term in, in England. It's not necessarily called a reserves anymore, but um, it's the second second level down from the, you know, from the first team. Um, so, yeah, like it would be like the, the motivation was, can you make this roster? You know, can you make the first team? Um, and if, you, if you're not making it now, there's you're there's always hope for the you know for the future you can make it you can when you go to go to college or come back you know maybe you'll you'll make that roster um kind of at at that point but you know overall you want to use this tool to develop good people right the 99 and a half percent of the of the population won't play you know professional football so we want want these guys to understand, you know, that we want to develop their character and, you know, that even if you don't make these, these kind of rosters, you know, the, the, um, the applying yourself and, 
the um, you know the work off the off the field and on the field that you're putting in, even if it doesn't end up getting your goal, the application of trying to um, achieve the goal is what's important and can be used and adapted to anything in life. You know, whether it's business or you know or sport. So I think those are those are uh, those are the important pieces that we're we're going to try and focus on in this you know professional development phase and and understanding. Um, you know what what are the things that you need to do to really uh, like um achieve at the highest level so for example you know as we develop the pro development phase we'd like our players to be um sitting like coaching licenses coaching licenses in the future and learning about the game and understanding mm-hmm. um you know about um you know match analysis and game analysis and things that they can do to improve you know themselves off the field as well as on it so it's things like things Absolutely. like that yeah no I, I love everything about that but um so the last question i want to ask tom and what i love to ask all my guests is when and if you decide to move on from hotspurs what do you want and even you know move on from coaching from place to place what do you want your kids and the coaches that you work with to have said about you as a person and as a coach oh my god <laughs> what a wild question um yeah i know i know yeah. um that's a really good question i mean i i, I would just like i guess it's just important for me that like the environment and that and the the model and the of the program can continue to um move forward whether i was there or not so you know i'd hope that um, they would say, you know, I was quite a positive guy, and that was reflected in the, you know, in 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 the club and and the the culture, you know, around the club, and that that helped them um, move on to the next level. Oh, that, that was a t- that's a tough question. That's a tough one. Yeah, I put I put you on the spot there. Yeah, that's why that's why I save it for the last for the last question. Right, got it. But okay, Tom, I appreciate you coming on. So again, guys, Tom is the. Academy director for the Hotspurs Club in Pittsburgh, um, and first first team coach for the women's the uh, and the WPSL as well as the MPSL. So on the men's side, so Tom, again, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed this. Yes, Jesse, it's great. Appreciate you. All right.